much longer than he thinks he knows me. But uh, being it's Ash Wednesday, I, I forgive you. But we've, you, we Richard. met in the early days of the Marco Rubio campaign. So I have before me uh, Stephen Bowell. And please introduce yourself. You, you've, been, you've been in politics for quite some time. Uh, you've represented the uh, District 13, I believe, in Hialeah as yep. a county commissioner. Yep. And then uh, you're, you're the star, bro. You're the only Republican in the race, so let us have it. Thanks, thanks, Manny. Thanks for the opportunity and and, uh, and for those here in the Key to be able to say hello to folks out here in, in Key Biscayne. Uh, as you stated, yes, I am the, the commissioner, current commissioner for District 13. That is uh, the most of Hialeah, Miami Lakes, and Northwest uh, Dade, unincorporated area of... So of, a shout-out uh, to our village manager who's from Miami Lakes. She, she's a Miami Lakes girl. Uh, Andrea, right. uh, he's uh, very proud of you, as we are, so... Uh, Yes. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sad to see her leave uh, the town of Miami Lakes. But, well, we're uh, happy, happy to see her. her leave the town of Miami Lakes. <laughs> happy for her good fortune and uh, had a chance to see her recently at a, a census talk that we did with a bunch of town managers and city managers and really proud of the work she's doing. But um, as you stated, I'm the only uh, Republican, only uh, fiscal conservative running for mayor of Miami-Dade County in a, in a county, Manny, that quite honestly we've seen moving more and more to the left. Uh, where we see some uh, policies that could be very intrusive to homeowners, business owners, taxpayers. And, uh, you know, I've said on many occasions, if... So I imagine you're implying the millage rate. Uh, well, what, what ends up happening is that when you start taking, um, turning our local government and, and trying to play in a space and create almost like a social laboratory with our county government and try to fix... The problems of society, uh, we start getting away from the core mission of what local government is created for, which is police, fire, pick up your garbage, water and sewer, street repairs, uh, you know, maintain your parks. And before you know it, we start playing in a space that um, is uh, part of the narrative at the national level. And uh, and these things ultimately end up uh, coming back to looking for funds, and it's usually the taxpayer that foots the bill. Now, and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. We have recently a, a piece of legislation that's floating through the system now that would require a $100 rent subsidies for those that have trouble meeting their rent. And so the, the real question begs is... Something, so something is New York is uh, drowning in... Uh, <laughs> Fixed rent subsidies. You start going down a path, and one of the things I've learned about government now as as a public servant in Hialeah, as a council member, as a state legislator for a couple of years, and now as a commissioner, there is uh, government programs don't go away. You know, you create a government program. Oh, baby. Reagan used to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and that's the fear. That's the fear, quite honestly. And, and I would counter that uh, in order for us to maintain a balance at the level that we uh, we believe is important for the county commission for our county, uh, you know, I think what we need is a conservative, fiscal conservative as mayor, which could act as the veto power when crazy stuff comes down the pike, right? And uh, you need nine votes to override uh, a mayor's veto, and today we've got eight center-left commissioners sitting on the board of county commission, and that opens the door of 13, that opens the door for a lot of crazy stuff. Now, what conflicts does the mayor have over the chairman of the commission, who pretty much runs the meetings? And because the mayor, the strong mayor uh, situation that actually was uh, uh, first instituted by Alex Pinellas when he was mayor, which I, I believe you're up against now for the. Uh, what is it that you feel about the strong mayor that you would like to tweak 
or not like or do like about being a strong mayor? Well, we, ju- yeah, just so, because uh, you've also were chairman of the commission. Yeah, so. yeah. So, so first, let me let me just uh, for the record, um, we the voters decided on a strong uh, format mayor of government uh, under Alvarez's reign. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we could hold somebody accountable because historically what would happen is that the commission and the mayor back in the days of, of Alex Pinellas would hide behind the manager. Let's blame the manager. So if something went awry, point the finger at the manager, and the manager was somebody that we did not elect, but the board would, uh, in the case of Pinellas, he would select and the board would ratify. And we got tired of that. And we wanted somebody to be held accountable. You know, in the Cuban community, we want to go to La Mata. We want to go to who is... Maceta. Right. We want to go to who's responsible and hold that person accountable. And um, so I don't have a problem, per se, with the uh, the strong format uh, government where the mayor is the executive power of, uh, of government. But let's realize we've got a $9 billion budget, and it does require not only collaboration with the 13 members of the Board of County Commission, it requires collaboration with all the mayors of all the cities and villages so that we could work together on the global problems that, that affect us. Because I'll tell you, when we talk about issues like transportation, they've got a problem in Hialeah. They got one in Key Biscayne. They got one in Homestead. They got one in Aventura, out in West Kendall. So these problems are global, and it takes uh, really a collaboration between the mayor of the county. Uh, and you got to ask the money. If you need the money from the state or the federal government, you better ask 10 years in advance because by the time you get it, <laughs> it, it <laughs> might be obsolete. It might be obsolete, yeah, yeah, yes. No doubt. No doubt about it. So I was the chair. I was the chair for two years while Mayor Jimenez was obviously in power. And, you know, we would try to collaborate where we could. We disagreed where we had to disagree. And um, But I, I've always felt that when I was the chair, my role as chair was, A, to make sure that, uh, you know, legislation was moving. Even if I did not agree with a colleague of mine and what they were present, uh, presenting, I did not want to use the power of the chair to be interference. I wanted, you know, opportunities for all my colleagues, whatever the political divide, for it to go to the floor and, and allow us to debate the issues and have up or down votes. Uh, I always wanted to, my colleagues to be successful in the things that what they were trying to do. And um, and part of that is also you work with the mayor to try to make sure that, look, he wears the yellow jersey and you got to help him uh, move it. So you, you see him more as a captain than a referee. He's not a person who really... Juggles and he doesn't break ties or anything. He's, no, no, he doesn't vote. The, doesn't the vote. mayor in the county does not vote on on commission uh, meetings. The mayor of the county he doesn't set the agenda. He doesn't set the agenda. That is set by the the chairman. And in this case, now we have Audrey Edmondson, who's our chairwoman, and she sets the agenda. And uh, you know, she sets up the committee structure just like I did. I, I set up a. Committee and you guys structure. vote among yourself who becomes the chair, or is it rotating? We select amongst our the members who becomes the chair. And uh, you know, it's one of the most interesting process because that's like an election in itself. It is, and it's done where you can't talk to your fellow colleagues. So you have to send a lot of smoke signals out there to let them know where. So it's the sunshine law applies there. The sunshine law applies in in an area where you would think it shouldn't have to apply because uh, you know you're just picking a member. No, and it's natural and organic, and quite frankly, it's it's accountability, man. You guys, yeah, you have to lobby each other. You have to like each other too. Well, you got to get along with each other, then that's for sure. And I and I could tell you that when I first got to the board, the board had a reputation that members did not get along with each other. And they would kind of hammer each other pretty strong. But uh, I haven't seen that while I was, I've been there. For the most part, we've gotten along pretty well. We work together well. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that we support each other on every issue. But there has been, a, I would say, a professional relationship that has existed amongst all the members of the Board of County Commission. Well, that might change now with uh, a bunch of you running for mayor. Well, uh, yeah, we've got a... 
Commissioner Martinez uh, jokes that he sits next to what he called Mayor's Row, where <laughs> Miss Levine, and, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Miss Levine, uh, you got uh, Xavier Suarez, John Monastina, and myself all sitting next to each other on the day. Well, we get we get along fine. We're we're good. We're good until the debate starts. Until you know somebody hides somebody's keys or hides somebody's phone, but no, it, for the most part, we all get along pretty well. Uh, we try to keep um, the people's business separate from the campaign stuff, at least up to this point. It might, the, the it, it might change. It might change. Okay, now you know that uh, the, uh, Trump got a huge victory recently about defunding sanctuary cities, yep. and that's a huge last laugh for the president. Mm-hmm. So, uh, are you going to be in step with Jimenez and uh, and? Basically, agree with the president and no sanctuary cities here in Miami and no. Well, a, a couple of things. First, the state of Florida passed legislation no, that you can't. Would, would, you know, there are no sanctuary cities in the, in the state of Florida. But before that, before that, I could tell you that while I was chair, uh, we uh, we made a decision as a board, uh, contested vote. I think it was eight five, maybe nine to four. But we made a decision as a board to cooperate with the federal government on detentions, on any holders, ice holds. So if you commit a crime in Miami-Dade County and and immigration has a order to to deport you or detain you, we will hold you for the period of time that they have to come and get you. You know, my advice to those that uh, are here illegal, here without documents, don't commit a crime. You know, yeah. it's fundamental. Don't go out drunk, dr- uh, driving drunk. Don't go steal somebody's property. Don't get arrested. Because if there is a detention holder on you, we will honor it, and you will be deported or you will be incarcerated by the immigration. And uh, look, I'll tell you something. We've had a couple of situations where folks that have committed rape and committed murder uh, have been arrested, and advocates of that community have asked us not to hold them, which is a little outrageous if if you ask me. No, not if they're from the left. (laughs) Well, perhaps it's not. (laughs) our, Our position has been as a county is that we will turn them over to, to immigration. Well, that's a good thing. Now, you're also uh, on the task force for the census. Yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a big doozy That's a, because that counts illegals for federal funding. And I think that's everybody. why the left loves illegals because you get a total number count. It's yeah. not a citizen count. It's a total population count for federal monies. So people out there in the audience, I want you to understand when the left fights for illegals, they're just fighting for federal grant money. And so long as there's a huge population they get more money and they could care less what happens to the country and so that's the gist of it if people always i never understood how national politicians can't say why the left doesn't want a wall why the left wants sanctuary cities it's obvious when it comes to the census they count the amount of people in that town illegal or not and they get money and and tomorrow they'll be Democrats anyway, so it's like a win-win for yeah, them. Yeah, well, I, I, I think uh, probably lend credibility to your point is that California's a poster child of that, right? Now, where they have huge uh, amount of illegal aliens living in California, and they receive funds uh, based on, on population. But look, I, 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 um, I feel strongly with regards to the census that we got to navigate these things and understand that for us in Miami-Dade County, uh, the realization that funding formulas for whether it's education, housing, or transportation, uh, health care, they're all tied to your population count. So I've been going around the county and talking to different folks and, and just kind of letting them know you got to get counted. you got to participate. Um, it's important that we participate and get get a, a, a just count here um, in Miami-Dade County. Realize this. Whether we have illegals or among us or not, they're using our services. You know, they're sending their kids to school. Yeah, but can you get that. them to reply? 
That's the key. So what what we've done, perhaps different than what we did in the past, is we've turned to trusted voices that work in those communities. They may not trust you and I. They may well they may trust you. They may not trust me, because I'm from government. But they may trust the social worker or the advocate for those immigrant communities, the migrant workers that work with them on a daily basis. So we've turned is turned to them and tell them you need to convince them that they got to get counted, and they need to convince them that the federal government is not going to come looking for them after they filled out the the, the census. Uh, we'll see. You know, we've participated in Miami-Dade County. It would make sense for this to occur in community centers and churches. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the trusted voices. The way I look at it is I want the little league coach being an advocate and telling parents you got to get your kids counted, you got to get your family counted, as opposed to myself, you know, the elected official, the mistrust of government. Mm. What do you guys want to do with this information? And, and so, look, in Miami-Dade County in 2010, we participated at 74%. That means we left 26% of our community unaccounted for. We left millions of dollars on the table that go someplace else, some other state, some other part of the state of Florida. Plus, we're already a donor county who are big wad, goes up to Tallahassee, we especially in the, in the school district. We lose a ton of money. We are. Because it comes back half. Yeah. Half or maybe, I don't know. I don't know. You, maybe you know that number, but I'm sure it's like half. We, we've known for a long time that Miami-Dade County, uh, Broward County, and Palm Beach, uh, the Tri-County area has been the, the financial donor for the rest of the state of Florida. Since 1900. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, just as you drive around in Miami-Dade County today and, and you see all the tolls that we see and the realization that the Florida Turnpike tolls, most of that money is spread out throughout the state, yet we are collecting it here in in the most congested area not unlike by the way of what you may see in um, you know in New York in a big city where New York you pay a lot of tolls if they still do it I haven't been in New York in a while and that kind of funds the entire state of New York right so you go where the population is and sadly you know when you start getting north of Palm Beach you, you don't see that many tolls right they right. become less and less obviously in the Orlando Tampa area yeah, but, uh, starts yeah. up again. But, right, but uh, you see large stretches where we in Miami-Dade County are helping fund, basically, new road construction, new projects. And that's something that's uh, always been troublesome, always. Uh, but it's oh, not and you new. have also uh, the, the part of Jacksonville and the outskirts yep. are brand-new roads and open lots. Oh, I've yeah. never seen more land with brand-new roads than in that town. So, obviously, they're pushing population to the Jacksonville area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now that we're talking about roads, uh, can you give our audience some feel of what kind of relief are we going to get from traffic? I I heard there's overpasses heading here and there, but I want to hear them from you because I think it's just gossip. Uh, This is what I heard, and tell me if it's true. From 836, there's some kind of overpass that's going to take people down to Homestead without having to go all the way through 836 South. That might be a bluff uh, mm-hmm. connecting it to Chrome. I don't know if that's true. Right. Then there's another rumor about closing down the Sun Pass on 985 for the the overpass that comes from the downtown, from like uh, Southwest 7th Street, overpass to get on 95 to go north and south that... Where, not, where would it meet on any? I mean, I, that's a good one for me. But so when we talk about traffic and transportation in Miami-Dade County, we're talking a lot of different elements and, and a lot of different components, right? And you not only have uh, road impacts, of which ninety-five percent of us, if not more, use all our roads. That's how you and I get along around. All of us get around basically with our car. We're not using the bus. We're not a bus culture here, and p- unfortunately, we've planned very poorly 
for us to have an elaborate bus system that actually works, right? So yeah. we're in the midst now of examining how do we shorten our routes, uh, make it more localized, and then look at arterial roads or corridors that could help people move longer a- areas, not just uh, um, you know this crosstown bus that takes you literally three hours to cross all of Miami-Dade County. Yeah. Uh, you could get to Disney World probably by the time you get done with riding well, the bus Well, I mean, uh, in all fairness, we are spread out. We're a pretty spread out county. Yeah, a lot of sprawl, and we just didn't—you know, you don't have— Segregated roads that a bus could drive on, unimpeded by the traffic, and like you and I, we've ri- we've been. Well, US here. one down south has a the only one, the only one, the only one, and that's because they took an old train line, yes. and which they should have probably never paved it. But anyways, they took that old train line, and they paved it. Uh, we don't got a lot of examples like that one. We have a couple of other train lines that perhaps in the future could be part of a of a of a a construct of transportation. But let's face facts. It's uh, what we're seeing now is 50 years of poor planning in Miami-Dade County. It's not going to get done in five months. It won't take five years to fix. Well, you're quoted as saying, uh, "Hold your horses, 20, 25 years," and you were honest, and people appreciated that. Well, I, I try to be because I think the reality is that look, I was I've been raised in this community. We were expecting a half penny to fix all the problem, and we know now that the half penny was a grand lie. It was something that was basically sold to the voters as a fix. When it didn't fix anything, on the contrary, we added to our costs. We've raised a lot of money, given some to the cities. We've run a people mover for free. Seniors could run, uh, use the system for free. Done a lot of roads, a lot of circles in different areas that uh, are irritations for a lot of those. And uh, but we're still dependent on our cars. We're still dependent on the lack of options. So we've been working hard the last couple of years to try to create options. And, you know, one of the best examples of it is look into what's going on in downtown Miami. Uh, a collaboration with Brightline. Now you have Brightline trains going into downtown Miami up the, the, uh, the southeast, ultimately with the trek to Orlando. And, and may That's give the one that, Bram- that Bramson uh, yeah, is yeah. involved with. Yeah, so Virgin Trains now will be able to hopefully in the future give us some uh, service all up and down the Northeast Corridor. We've got Tri-Rail coming into downtown So you think Jeb Bush is standing on his head? Because uh, he had that vision early, and, they, and then he said, no way. <laughs> well, Sorry, I sh- I, let me restate that. He squashed that vision early, yeah. and he never liked it, and he killed it from the get-go, and now it's coming to be. Yeah, well, I, I think he, he didn't like, because I, I think I was... Uh, just had gotten to the legislature. He had already left. Uh, my governor was uh, Charlie Chris while I was there. I, I would say that, um, you know, this bullet train that was being discussed and the voters approved in the state of Florida was uh, prohibitive. I mean, you couldn't, couldn't afford it. Uh, that's how expensive it was, which is always the problem when you put things direct to the ballot. And yeah. you can put anything on the ballot and voters will approve it if it sounds good. But if you don't put a cost to it, you have no idea. So, yeah, you could go and tell everybody, uh, free cell phones for everybody. Very popular with Bernie Sanders and that crew, yes. right? The, and the Obama the Obama yeah. phone. So, free, free cell phones for everybody and just vote yes. Well, I'm voting yes. I want the free cell phone, right? And uh, it's it's um, unaffordable at the end of the day. So, um, I would tell you that one of the interesting things that we're seeing with transportation today with trains is the intersect between development and those rail lines or corridors. 
So the the idea in the future is that our corridors would have uh, what we call TODs, transit-oriented developments, tied to those corridors that would not only uh, help us with housing issues, uh, but create actual corridors and ridership that people could literally in some ports of our county will be able to live without having a car. Now, I just and said Obligation. Right. I just said something that might be mind-blowing for a lot no, of folks. No, we, right? we have to get there. Brickle is that. Parts of Dayland is that. Some parts of Aventura. Some no, of, there's parts of Dayland that can come to downtown without ever... Just, without having a car. But they still have to park. Well, <laughs> Park it, but, at the train station. Right, but think about this for a second. If you lived in Dayland, in one of the apartments in Dayland, and let's say you worked in downtown Miami... You don't need a car. Right. You could take Metrorail every day in and back to work, right? And uh, if you take it to its extension, you could take Metrorail into downtown and use the parks in the downtown area if, if that's the lifestyle you chose, right? Um, but what ends up happening, I think, ultimately is that um, uh, we need to give options to folks. And uh, the more options we give folks in Miami-Dade County, the better it's going to be in the long term. Uh, right now, unfortunately, we are very, very limited in the amount of, uh, of options that we have in our community. And that, uh, that could be uh, very frustrating. And I can tell you, economically, long term, the more we, um, the more we create opportunities for folks to, to move around in, in an efficient way and improve people's quality of life, the more investments we're going to have. Probably the reason why an Amazon doesn't come to Miami-Dade County was because they were going to end up putting most of their uh, employees that they wanted to bring here to Miami-Dade County, they're going to basically put them in traffic. And so again, we got to think in terms that there'll be another Amazon in the future, another Yahoo, another... Well, but Amazon's coming to um, Opalaka, isn't it? Well, it's already there, but it's a distribution center, not it, the it's headquarters. A, there's an there's a, there's a open wound, personally, because yeah. there were monies that were allocated to that side of the airport that yes. should have gone to the western side of the airport. And you know how personal that was. Yes, yes, I do. So, I do. Uh, you know, Jimenez, you know, I'll, I'll pick my sour grape with you later. <laughs> and I got a radio, so I can do this in stereo. <laughs> You're listening to WSQF Blink Radio on the Concrete Conservative Show. You're here with uh, Esteban Bobo. Or Thank Steve. You. Or Steve. Yeah. And, you know, we can also go bilingual because aquí hay maceta también. Me imagino que hay muchos cubanos aquí en, en Cayo. Yes, so, uh, para los sudamericanos y cubanos que viven en Key Biscayne, yeah. déjalo saber por qué estás acá y tienes tu amigo detrás de ti uh, que si no lo sabía, él estaba aquí. Se coló. Se coló. So, por favor, dile a la gente por qué estás aquí en el Cayo. Eh, después de estar sirviendo en la comunidad como comisionado del condado y presidente del condado, o sea, de la comisión del condado, eh, hice la decisión hace unos meses atrás de aspirar al CAD del condado Miami-Dade eh, por varias razones. Una era que me preocupaba muchísimo el camino y el destino del condado. Estamos viendo una, una movida eh, centro-izquierda donde la, las políticas, las regulaciones que se pueden eh, presentar, que ya han presentado en muchas ocasiones, eh, puede impactarle directamente al dueño de negocio, al dueño de propiedad, eh, ese, esa, esa relación entre empresa privada y sus empleados, donde el gobierno empieza a intervenir y tratar de dictar los términos y la, los arreglos que se pueden hacer. A largo plazo todo eso le termina costando 
al, al contribuyente y, y a veces se, obvi, se olvida uno a quién, quién es el que paga el gobierno, quién es el que le ha dado fondos para que el gobierno pueda, pueda operar. Bueno, la gente de Kibiskein es la respuesta. ¿Sí? <risa> Porque la gente de Kibiskein pagan y pagan y Obviamente, pagan. Aquí y se siempre paga mucho estamos impuesto. pidiendo. ¿Y cuándo lo va a recibir a nosotros? Claro. Ya hablé del tema del, del Master Academy, que por. Yo diré 40 años estuvimos uh, pidiendo un high school. Sí. Teníamos que ir a Coral Gable. Y nos separamos del condado. Y la gente no entiende que cuando la, la cuando Kim Biscayne se separó, uh -huh. número uno fue el colegio. No policía, ni fuego, ni basura, ni parque, ni tráfico. Era solamente la frustración de no tener el colegio. Ya. Yeah. Y después que lo, uh, yo creo que la señora Sabates Morse que estaba en el condado en ese entonces no, estaba de, en el sistema escolar en esos momentos yeah. sí. y él nos empujó a recibir los dos edificios que teníamos en el K8 yeah. pero se quedó el muerto de abajo yeah. y después yo me metí después y lo renovaron en vez de tumbarlo yeah. y eso me ofendió mucho porque ahora tenemos la, la marea subiendo sí. y los niños jugándose y, y todo lo que está en esa, detrás de esa pared. Pero por lo menos está el MAST. Yeah. So, ahí me quedo... No me voy a empezar a quejar porque yo, uh, es mejor que tú sigas en tu campaña de yeah. alcalde. Pero sí tengo una pregunta sí, que está en la mente de muchos gente de Kibbers Game. Uh -huh. Y no lo pueden creer, pero hay una oportunidad y esto es muy importante uh, que tú opines. ¿Qué te parece que la gente de Kibiskein te quita el muerto de Rickenbacker Causeway y te lo compran con un bond? Y nosotros tenemos la, 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 el crédito para hacerlo. Es una, una conversación sumamente interesante, ¿verdad? Y sé que eh, eventos que pasan a la entrada del Cayo afectan muchísimo a las personas que viven en el Cayo. So, la última vez fue ahora mismo en el, en el, en el boat show. Bocho, Ultra, esos tipos Bueno, ya de eso ya, ya eso murió. Bueno, ahora se fue. Tienes razón, tienes razón. Pero tú nunca sabes cómo estas cosas vuelven a resucitar, ¿verdad? Eh, es, es sí, un, le cambian el nombre de otra mega y vuelve. Es un, es un concepto bastante interesante. Yo sé que hay muchas personas que han hablado, crear eh, eh, vías para bicicletas que puedan entrar en el callo. Yo he visto bastantes planos. Bueno, lo, lo que nosotros queremos... Si compramos el, el Rickenbacker Causeway, es obvio que lo vamos a hacer en, en asociación con una compañía privada, con, claro. con, con constructora. Pero hacer un overpass solamente para nosotros y que sigue todos los problemas abajo y nosotros por arriba llegar a nuestras casas. Al mismo tiempo, la gente no entiende que nosotros eventualmente alguien se va a morir en una ambulancia tratando de salir. Bueno, yo estuve, yo estuve precisamente... Estuve aquí para un evento recientemente cuando empezaba el boat show y noté la salida de la isla era un poquito caótica y esto era tempranito en un día donde no había entrado en fuerte el boat show. Y, y entiendo, yo entiendo completamente. Yo te diría que como alcalde del condado, yo no, yo no eh, eh, basado en la información que tú me has dado. Obviamente debe haber otras versiones, ¿verdad? Pero yo te diría, no me opongo a la idea que el Cayo pueda controlar más su destino. Obviamente hay varias jugadas aquí porque la ciudad de Miami tiene tierras aquí también, tuviera que opinar, eh, tienes el, el Marine Stadium. Eh. ¿Y, ¿Y estás implicando que cooperar con el dinero que entra por el todo o ustedes lo, lo reciben 100%? Bueno, en este momento, si no me equivoco, ese es el ese quizás uno de dos todos que opera el condado Miami-Dade. 
porque los demás son de otras personas, MDX, eh, el estado de la Florida, el Turnpike, ese creo, ese creo que uno más. Son los el Venetian, ¿no? Venetian creo, que son los únicos dos tokens que le pertenecen al condado Miami. -Dade. ¿Y tú crees que Rickenbacker financia uh, Venetian? No, porque Venetian Mario, es... Honestamente no he mirado los números de cerca y a dónde van los fondos de aquí. Eh, sé que cuando se hizo el arreglo en el puente que está cerca a lo que está la Universidad de Miami, el Marine Biology, cuando se hicieron los arreglos de puente, si no me equivoco, parte del dinero se había comprometido de la entrada toll. de tolls y se había subido el toll precisamente para poder ayudar con el pago. Y nosotros no le gustó la idea, nosotros queríamos tumbar ese puente total, sí, no renovarlo. Yo, yo y la, aquí, la... ahí es cuando empezó las conversaciones de sí. ser dueño, porque sí. pedimos... Uh, en ese entonces queríamos no perder el tenis. Bueno, eso es mi opinión. Yeah. La mitad de Cayo quería que el tenis se, se fuera, vaya claro. y la otra mitad no. Pues yo, yo como comerciante, siendo dueño de una empresa acá, uh, es obvio que el tenis era beneficioso para nuestras empresas. Pensaba yo eso, no sé si... Yo no he visto los números, pero sí, los hoteles aquí me imagino que gozaban muchísimo. No, el... el, 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 el Crea ambiente. El pache, el, el, ¿Cómo es? El caché. El caché de la comunidad era elevada porque el tenis es un, es un deporte de, de lujo sí. uh, yo estoy también hablando de los, los valores de las casas claro. la comunidad en, en general yo no era fanático de tenis yo iba pero desde que Beyond Borg y uh, Lendl y McEnroe están jugando me interesa un carijo el... te estás poniendo la edad tú sabes bien eh, viejo, viejo pesado <risa> y arriba eso los Dolphins no ganan so, uh, me pongo you know. hace, hace tiempo que no eso no pasa bueno, ¿quieres cerrar con tus sus comentarios finales? Bueno, el, primero que nada... una vez No más. me has dicho por qué estás acá. Vas bueno, a, tienes, me imagino, a gente esperándote y apoyándote en Ready to Go. Porque sí, hoy, hoy tenemos una reunión aquí en el Cayo, el Partido Republicano del Cayo quiere empezar a reorganizarse y estamos aquí precisamente para, para hablar con ellos, eh, a, a ver si eso incorporan en nuestra campaña. Estamos aspirando al CAD del Condado Miami-Dade, Pido a las personas bilingüemente, I ask que vengan hoy, que hoy vengan. Come, join us, talk to us a little bit about what's going on, not only here, but countywide. Go to stevebobo.com, stevebobo.com, para que vean nuestra plataforma, lo que hemos hecho durante el periodo de tiempo que hemos sido eh, comisionados del condado Miami-Dade. Y vamos a entrar en este diálogo, en qué en que miramos hacia el largo plazo de nuestro condado. What do we see the long-term vision for our county? Are we going to become... A, another liberal domain like a New York, a California, a San Francisco or Chicago, or are we going to try to retain some of our own characteristics where we've always respected and tried to be less intrusive with government, right? Uh, your father, my father, many that were pioneers in this community, in this county, uh, left fleeing government intrusion, right, in their day-to-day -day lives. And sadly... And, and state taking possession of their children. And so, well, <laughs> all of that, all of that, right? Hello, so, Bernie. So what, Hello. what we're seeing is more and more and more a government intrusion in our daily lives, and that's something that we should all be extremely offended. And, and as I said earlier, el único conservador republicano aspirando alcalde del condado Miami-Dade soy yo. Los demás, los demás van a estar apoyando a Bernie Sanders, eh, a Elizabeth Warren o otro del elemento izquierda del Partido Demócrata en las elecciones de este O el republicano colado, Bloomberg. O un <risa> republicano colado. Pero les digo a las personas, escuchen nuestro mensaje 
platiquen con nosotros. Las elecciones el día 18 de agosto. Vamos a tener mucho más tiempo, man, y para volver aquí. Hoy la y, y que firmen la petición. Y la petición, no se me puede olvidar. Una de las cosas que le estamos pidiendo a las personas es que se unan a nosotros llenando una petición. No los comprometa nada, pero los ayuda a ponerlos en la boleta. Y les pedimos a las personas que se unan a ese esfuerzo. Y hoy precisamente a las 6 de la tarde saliendo aquí del programa vamos a estar en el Ocean Club de Key Biscayne Tower One Tower One eh, en el 701 eh, Crandon Boulevard Key donde vamos a estar haciendo un Key Biscayne Meet and Greet conociendo gente de la comunidad ahora tienen que repetir eso en inglés porque we have yes, 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 uh, uh, American Republican Club members too and I apologize for those that uh, no no we, we, we promote ourselves that Blink Radio is, is bilingual so this it. is not the first time I love it Spanglish yes Spanglish, Spanglish radio at times uh, Key Biscayne we have a Key Biscayne meet and greet today with the campaign at the Ocean Club Key Biscayne at 701 Crandon Boulevard Key and obviously Ocean Tower Key. One Ocean, meeting room meeting room one Yes, yeah. oh, it. it's Ocean Tower 1, there's 1, 2, and 3, but that one's 1, and it's in the meeting room, which is right there in the lobby. Fantastic. So That's where Marco Rubio had his event in December the 9th, 2009. Oh, good. So we're going go so to go to... So there's uh, good mojo there. Good, I like it. We'll see if we get some of that mojo, and uh, and as we move forward in the campaign, we're going to be making announcements of some folks that are coming on board and helping us and endorsements, and uh, look, we, we feel this is a great opportunity to keep the mayor's office in conservative hands that would help us keep in check liberal policies that are dominating this country from coming into Miami-Dade County. And uh, I'm not one to scream that the sky is falling, but this is a real issue that we're dealing with in Miami-Dade County. And we need to be aggressive with our uh, with our posture to make sure that we don't slip slowly into uh, you know a Chicago or a New York. Well, I mean, we also, uh, so, uh, something that, uh, that uh, I hope that the county culture understands. I mean, it's not doesn't take too much vision to understand this, but we have to really consider what happens post Castro. Those kids are coming. Those parents are coming, and we don't have the school seats for them. We don't have a school district for another million people. And if there's a million people, you can count on three, four hundred thousand of them kids under 18 years of age. So this county is going to be hit again. In the next 10, 15 years, we, I mean, I know we've been saying this for 62 years, mm. but sooner or later, we're going to be right. <laughs> well, but you're not, you're not wrong from the standpoint if you consider that over the last 60 years, Miami-Dade County has literally lived from chaos to chaos. You know, Cuba, Nicaragua, Colombia, Venezuela, Haiti, chaos in those countries have, have benefited us from a certain extent, right? Because we've, we've, we've grown grown, and the investments and whatnot. But I would tell you that's not really a model for the future. We can't sit here lighting a candle and hope that something goes awry in Chile or in Argentina and hope that everybody comes here and invests money. At least we shouldn't be doing that, right? Yeah. So I would tell you that we need to kind of first have a straight talk, uh, an honest talk, a transparent conversation with folks. We need to get our county away from the days of cronyism. We need to get our county away from where, you know, the, the friends, the insiders got all the deals. And we need to be more responsive to our residents. And what I propose in this campaign is that we're going to move our county forward, not backwards. We're not going to go backwards to an era where it was, uh, you know, the insiders, the friends of the friends that were always basically taking a lion's share of all the contracts and opportunities. And I think, uh, and and for me, that's what we want to make sure, that we, uh, we go away from the pay-to-play mentality that was very prevalent during the Pinellas years. 
and and we go to more of a transparent government. And as I said, speak to the issues of what you expect your county government to do. Esos días de amiguismo, los, los tiempos de Penela, que los allegados se comían todos los contratos, eh, nada se movía si no los amigos de él decían las cosas. Eso hay que terminarlo ya. Especially in the airport. Especially in the airport, <laughs> donde el abuso del aeropuerto con esos allegados del, del señor Penelas todavía hasta este día, hasta este día, tienen contrato en ese aeropuerto porque han manipulado el sistema. Y yo te diría que lo que hace falta es, un, primero, una mano fuerte, y número dos, más transparencia. Eh, queremos un gobierno que los responda a nosotros, no a los amigos y no a los intereses de izquierda que no conllevan a nada. Well, um... Your closing argument, you have five minutes or you have 14 minutes. What would you like to say to your fellow citizens? Because uh, I don't want to end it on the airport. I would like to end it on a on the grand vision. Sure. We'll end it in English because uh, after all, we're in the greatest country in the world. Amen. And uh, we saw a very chaotic uh, debate last night. <laughs> so how do you feel about uh, Trump's reelection? How do you feel about national politics? And how do you feel about his general sentiment that he's given Miami-Dade County a lot of credit for winning Florida, even though he lost Miami-Dade County? So well, he gave credit to the Cuban-American community. Yeah, I was going to say very specific to the Cuban-American community that he was, um, that he was getting, uh, giving credit to. Look, we are, we are blessed to live in a county that uh, many people want to come, live, invest, uh, play, raise their families. We're blessed. We're truly blessed. Um, but at the same time, we've got some challenges. If we want a county that ultimately is going to serve the interest and, and be able to keep our children here, then I would say to you, we need to uh, make decisions today and think about our children and how they're going to benefit from those decisions today. So we have to solve the issues of transportation. We need to be aggressive in the way we do it, and we need to be transparent with folks. We need to stop lying to folks and tell them the truth. What needs to be done How is it going to get paid for? How much is going to cost? That has to be a transparent conversation. I think also we need to look at the, at the issues of affordability in our community. There are many, many folks in our community that rent a garage space in somebody's home or are paying $1,200 a month. That's not a model for development, Manny. No, no way. El efficiency. El efficiency. Better known as el efficiency. <laughs> And also we need to understand in Miami-Dade County, uh, without healthy beaches, we have no county. So we need to make sure that as conservatives, we're mindful of the issues of the environment. The godfather of environmentalism in the United States is a gentleman by the name of Teddy Roosevelt. And somehow or another, the left has, con has either dominated and the right has conceded this issue. And I would tell you that we can't allow that to happen. You know, we got septic tank issues, we've got uh, drainage issues, we've got spillage issues. You can't, exclu you can't exclude the Virginia Key sewer system. Absolutely not. We are really upset about what they're telling us. And rightly so. And we should be addressing these things in an aggressive fashion so that we have healthy beaches that attract tourism and attract jobs and opportunities. And to me, that is extremely important as we move forward. And, and let, let me tell you, Manny, just a little bit about myself. You know, my father of five... Um, Uh, my parents came to this country from Cuba. My uh, Your my, father served in the Bay of Pigs? My dad served in the Bay of Pigs. My dad flew with brothers to the rescue. Not doing well right now, unfortunately. Um, 
But my dad, uh, you know, believed in this country, firmly believed in democracy in this country. My mom was always by his side. Whatever adventure my dad got into, she was right there with him. And that gave us, me and my brothers and sisters, a sense of you, you're just not going to be a wall, you know, stand, an innocent standby in a community. you got to be giving your input. you got to leave a footprint. So that people, you know, uh, you can follow behind you. Exactly. And uh, not only that, but people don't realize that uh, we're only 4% of the Hispanic population in the United States, Cubans are. And yet we are the 4% that's the most successful of all of them. Oh, yeah. Of all the Hispanic populations of the United States. And we own over 30% of our publicly traded companies. I want people to understand that. That's how serious we are. We don't, we are capitalists. That's what's so sad about our, our situation. But what people need to understand about Miami is that, yeah, we're an anomaly. Yeah, we're kind of like a nation in, in a greater nation. But, man, we, we widen the path of happiness because we've created a, a place that we're very proud that other South Americans have been able to seek refuge, enjoy the, 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 a banking system, a police system, a government. And we all should be very proud that uh, the next mayor will be Cuban. Well, we hope, right? That's right, bro. And that he's conservative and Republican. And he's conservative and he's Republican. And that, so that I, that's the goal here, and to make just just to make sure that if we don't, if we want to just make sure that our county doesn't slip to the left and slip into an abyss, um, which it will be almost impossible to take back, then we need to pay attention to the August election. I know that the presidential election is important, and I'm going to be there supporting the president. I want the president to win. Uh, but we should all be concerned about what happens at the local end. Manny, you know very well that a decision by the local government is felt immediately. Yes. Or a federal decision, by the time they write all the rules, may take years before you even feel an impact. But a local government decides to move a stop sign, to raise your taxes, to raise a park fee, you're going to feel it instantly. So I would say to you, and I would uh, tell you that perhaps the most important government of all is your local government. And we need folks to pay attention and it's the fourth largest government, Miami-Dade County. Well, when you start talking about the county, the county's budget dwarfs some of the states in the Union, dwarfs some of the countries in, in the world. That's how big the county budget is. And you've got the port and the seaport, which are airport and seaport, which are probably the two biggest economic engines, uh, definitely in the southeast. And, um, you know, it takes a steady hand, but it takes a transparent hand. And what we can't keep doing, which is unfortunate, what I've seen happen for too far, far too long in the county is, again, your friends, the cronies, that's who dictate terms in the county. And it's, um, I would tell you that my hope is that we move away from that. And I think I'm the only one that's going to propose not only not to raise your taxes, but to... Well, you have a record of cutting taxes all the time. And, and God bless I'm you cheap, for it. Because I'm cheap and I don't like <laughs> to pay taxes. And I would tell you that not only do we want to make sure that we keep our taxes low, but we also look at regulations. Plus, to you also, uh, I'm, I'm throwing them in there because I just want to give you ammo for the next six minutes. You also curbed the, the pensions of Bay County. One of the things that we realized was that, uh, and I have a lot of respect for county employees, they don't make the rules. County employees don't make the rules. They just basically live by whatever rules government sets or the, the, the legislative body and the administrators set. But what I found kind of interesting is that I represent an area where many folks in my, comu- in my community, literally their retirement is to work until they die. And what we're seeing is, in, in many instances, county employees 
again, they didn't make the rules, but, you know, they worked 30 years at 50, 55. Some of them are retiring, taking other jobs and getting decent pensions from the county. Uh, taking all their sick because nobody gets sick in the county, so they would take all their sick days. Nobody took vacation. They would take all their vacation. So you'd see these lump, one lump checks of $100,000 as, as they're leaving. And, you know, like I said, the employees that uh, or the residents that I represent, they don't have those benefits. And we needed to kind of rein it in a little bit. Yeah, the public sector has always been uh, a trough of, of the best pension in the world. Are you kidding me? But then what added to it was it used to be, you know, there used to be a time that you would take a government job, not for the salary, but for the benefits, right? Steady pay. You know the government was not going to go anywhere. But at some point, they started paying competitive salaries along with the benefits. So, you know, we've got employees of the county earning, you know, six figures and a decent six figures, 200000 plus. So imagine that salary... Then the benefits that come tied to it, and by the way, they only jump from one ledger to another. They stay on our books until the day they pass away. We're living longer. We're living healthier. So somebody literally could go on our books at the age of 19 and not leave our books till the age of 90. Think about that for a second. They just go from one ledger to another. And that means we come full circle. Increase the millage. <laughs> and that's why we need to be mindful about these issues. They sound good on paper. They feel good on paper, but the reality is that once you implement some of these policies, they could be crippling as far as the economy is concerned. You know, we talk about $15 an hour wage for folks. I like the idea. I think it's a fantastic idea. But we also have to take into account that if you force somebody to do it, they may get rid of employees. And we've seen this happen. McDonald's is a great example. You know, go into a McDonald's. You're seeing less employees inside yeah, the McDonald's. Yeah, it's a kiosk. Exactly. Oh, we're going to pay everybody $15 an hour? It's going to cost jobs at the end of the day because the person who's investing money is doing it to make money, not because they want to be No, and the employees are not going to come back when he's broke and say, hey, I'm sorry I charged you too much in my hour, hourly wage. You know, here's the money back. And if you no, want to belly wanna, up. For many parents that are out there like me who has a nine-year-old, if I want to take full advantage of that $1 hamburger, yes. well, you can't be paying folks $15 no. an hour because that $1 hamburger turns into a That's what I never hamburger. understood. Uh, those who claim for increased minimum wage are themselves are going to be hurt because we know that many of them uh, support their families either from a McDonald's all the way up to a Denny's. And all that goes up in price. And if you have five, six kids, like in, like in your case, that's a, a major burden for a lower income earner. I think the the thought process is that if you pay me $15 an hour, I'm gaining money and everything's going to stay equal. What I don't think they they kind of flush out is that the $15 an hour means that if I've got to pay the guy who delivers milk $15 an hour, now I've got to increase that's the 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 rate of the milk. So we go from, you know, four and change on a gallon of milk up to let's say $7. So now that $15 a wage person now is You know, you're chasing. using that milk uh, analogy because you're from Hialeah, and that was Milan Dairy Road, and, <laughs> and the Graham family and all the cows that came down Milan Dairy Road. Maybe. You got a little bit of history there. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But all we right. see that. We see that. Well, and, uh, uh, thank you very much for coming, and, uh, you know, it's your, you, you know, tu, mi casa es tu estudio. <laughs> Gracias, hermano. We're going to come back. Vamos a volver y hablar en otros momentos de la campaña. All right. So, um this is the end of the Concrete Conservative Show here on WSQF 94.5. This is yours truly, Mac on the Rock. And we'll uh, we'll be talking to Stephen again. So take care, my friends, and uh, stay free. Blink Radio. <laughs>